Isaiah chapter 5, and we'll read verses 20 through 25. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own opinion and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, who are fearless at mixing beer, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. Therefore, as a tongue of fire consumes straw, and as dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will become like something rotten, and their blossoms will blow away like dust. For they have rejected the instruction of Yahweh of hosts, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore Yahweh's anger burns against his people. He raised his hand against them and struck them. The mountains quaked, and their corpses were like garbage in the streets. In all this, his anger is not removed, and his hand is still raised to strike. Let's pray. Father Yahweh, you're so wonderful and so great. And Father, I am indebted to you, Father Yahweh, for the rest of my life, and I could never pay you for what you've done for me. You are high above the highest heaven. Father, you are the beginning and the ending. Yahweh, Father, there is truly no one like you in heaven above or on the earth below. And I'm so thankful, Father Yahweh, to call you my Almighty today. I adore you, Father. And I'm I'm very, very appreciative of your love and your grace and your mercy on my life and the life of my family here today in the congregation. Father Yahweh, please forgive me for where I fall short in your commandments. Every day, Father Yahweh, I transgress your law and Father sometimes it's unintentional Father sometimes it's things that I know that I should be doing Father Yahweh Father please just help me to always do what's right and never Father Yahweh to do what's wrong I pray Father that the spirit your spirit Father your operational power and presence would convict me when I do wrong And that I would continue to have that conviction in my life. I don't ever, Yahweh, want to be at a place to where I can do something wrong and not feel conviction. So just help me, Father Yahweh. I'm weak. I'm frail. Father Yahweh, I need you to continue to lead and guide me. Uh, Father, I'm so thankful for this assembly. I love all these people. They're wonderful. I think that I have the best people on the planet to preach to and to teach and just pray that I would never take that for granted and although we may be few Father Yahweh we know that all through the scriptures you used a few people to accomplish a great task Yahweh for this lesson today may it be a blessing and an encouragement may we learn every age in here and may we be blessed 
And may we take it and apply it to our life. I pray these things through your Son, my Master and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. To you, Holy Father Yahweh. Amen. I had a couple of sermons that I was thinking about talking on today. One of them was Isaiah 53, but I always like to study on Isaiah 53 before I talk about it because it's difficult sometimes to expound upon. Uh, Some people have asked me, when am I going to finish teaching on the book of Daniel? My daughter asked me that the other day. Uh, I think I lacked two chapters, and it's been a few years, I guess, since I taught on Daniel chapters 1 through 10, but man, you get into that 11th chapter, Brother Jerry, and it's some difficult stuff. It takes a lot of time and effort to study a book like that. I hope to teach on those two chapters before I die, um, but who knows when that will be, according to Yahweh's will. But I don't want to go into Isaiah 53 today. I want to go into Isaiah 5, and I want to talk about no other standard. And this will be a fundamental, basic sermon. It might be detailed in some areas. But this will be something that you need to know, and you need to teach your children. Uh, You need to teach them, especially if you have the ability to do so from a young age. Uh, A child, I think, uh, learns a whole heap of a lot when they're real little. And you need to give them a good foundation when they're small so that they can grow up and be a child of the kingdom of Yahweh. Amen? Proverbs says, uh, train up your child in the way that he should go. And even when he's old, he'll not depart from that way. Um, I don't believe, like some preachers that I grew up under think, that that means that you train your child up and then they depart for a long time and then they finally come back. I don't believe that. I think that it's talking about if you train them properly, that they'll constantly be in the Father's will and they'll never want to do anything opposite to his will. Obviously, according to his grace and mercy and everything. No other standard. There's several woes pronounced here in Isaiah chapter 5. A woe is a sign of danger. When he says right here in Isaiah 5 verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, he's talking about this is a dangerous thing. The people that refer to evil as being good, and to good as being evil. And we might think on the surface, how is that possible? How could we ever call something evil good? And how could we ever call something good evil? Whether we realize it or not, we and society as a whole tend to do this every day that we are alive. And the reason we do it is because we haven't spent enough time studying the standard of Almighty Yahweh. See, there's no other standard in the world. Oftentimes, people disagree about doctrine, or they disagree about life's principles in general. Not every time, but oftentimes, the reason that they disagree is because they are going by different standards. They're determining what's right and what's wrong by different methods, different standards. This is problematic. I think that a lot of disagreements could be solved if we went by one standard, and that standard is Yahweh's law. We often think that we know better than Yahweh. We know better than our Father. But as the old TV show said, Father knows best, right? He always does. 
little David oftentimes now, my older children don't ask me as much, but little David often asks me why when I give him a command there in the home. And he doesn't understand everything that daddy wants him or doesn't want him to do. But as his father and as his protector and his provider, Brother Jerry, I'll never do something to David that would harm him. I'll never command him or tell him not to do something that will be for his doom. I'll always try to look out for what's best for him because I'm his dad. And our Heavenly Father, he's so much greater than any earthly father, our Heavenly Father, he knows best. He knows what's best for us. Even when we read his word and it seems like it doesn't make sense to us, he has a reason. He doesn't always call us to understand everything that he commands. Amen? Sometimes he calls us to obey before we understand. And if we step out on faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We step out on faith and say, Father, I know you commanded it. I don't understand it all, but I step out on faith and I'm going to be obedient to this. A lot of times when he sees our faith, he rewards us with a better understanding. Amen? We tend, as people, we tend to migrate to standards and to principles and to teachings that we're familiar with. That's what we tend to migrate to. That doesn't always mean that what we were taught is going to be 100% wrong. But it also doesn't mean that what we were taught or what we are familiar with is 100% right. Correct? My parents are beautiful people, and I love them with all my heart. And they raised me as a good Christian young man, and I'm very thankful. They always sent me to Christian school. I got a lot of whoopings, Brother Leon, when I was a boy growing up, and I'm thankful for every one of them. Now, when I was getting them, I wasn't thankful for them. But now that I'm 32, almost 32, by the grace of Yahweh, and I have five children of my own, and I know what it means to be a father to children, now I understand, and I tell my children, my sons, when I spank them, they don't get as many as they used to. Praise Yahweh. Hallelujah. Because they've learned, and I've trained them properly. But I tell them when I spank them, just the same thing my dad told me. One day, son, you'll understand when you grow up and have children. You'll understand why I have to do this. And I'm thinking why he's telling me that when I'm 10 years old. I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to understand why you're doing this, man. It hurts, (laughs) you know, really, really bad. But now, as a grown man, I do. What my dad told me back then has come true. I'm so thankful for my parents. My parents taught me from the Bible. But you know what? My parents, as lovely as they are, are not the standard. And I don't just want to sound like I'm throwing off on my parents. I'll say it for me to my children. I do my best to teach my children Yahweh's law. I do. But I'm not the standard. I'm not. If my children grow up and see that Yahweh's law teaches something different than what I say, they have to go with what Yahweh says and not with what Dad says. They have to. And that goes for each and every one of us. We can't just migrate. Brother Matthew can't migrate to what he's familiar with. It might or might not be wrong. But this right here, specifically the first five books of Scripture, the teachings and instructions of Yahweh, will never be wrong. It will never be wrong. The number one principle 
that we have to submit to is that there's only one standard, and that standard is Yahweh's perfect law. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. Now, Brother Matthew's not perfect. No human being on earth minus one was ever perfect. But the law of Yahweh is perfect. We might go astray. The holiest man that we think is the most set apart on earth, he might go astray, but that does nothing to the law of Yahweh. The law of Yahweh remains perfect. It always is complete. Psalm 19, verse 7. Denominations and organizations are not perfect. They're not the standard. I am so thankful that I'm not caught up in the web of denominationalism. Very thankful for that. I meet people all the time that are caught in a denominational web and they're entrenched so much in it that they cannot think outside of that box of that denomination. It's scary. It's scary. I fear that there are preachers in the world today that will not preach truth that they see to be truth because they're boxed in to an organization or a denomination. I'm so thankful that the Son has made me free of that today. Very thankful for that. I'm not throwing off on everybody in the world. And I don't want to make this message all about them. I want to put it here at home about us. But I don't ever want to get to a point where I preach what I want the Bible to say. I wrote myself a note that I hang up in my office. And the note says, I am obligated as a preacher to preach what the Scriptures teach and not what I want the Scriptures to teach. And I look at it every day. I look at it every day. And sometimes when I study the Bible, sometimes certain things don't sit well with me. And then I see that note. I'm obligated to teach what the Scriptures teach. Yahweh's law is the standard. Our favorite preacher is not the standard. I had favorite preachers when I was growing up, preachers that I liked to hear more than others. They're not the standard. Brother Matthew's not the standard. Yahweh's law is the standard. Our upbringing is not the standard. Even if our upbringing was in church like myself, it may or may not be true. It's not the standard. Only Yahweh's perfect teachings, instructions, and guidance, that is his law, is the standard. It's the standard. And if you do not judge right and wrong with the plumb or the level of Yahweh's law, then you will hang every picture in your life crooked. You will. It's like trying to just eyeball something. You might get close, but the most sure way that you get the picture level is what? You put the level on it, right? You put the plumb line on it, okay? There is no part of your life that needs to go without being governed by Yahweh's law. Zero. It's not spiritual grouping here and natural grouping here. No. Everything is spiritual grouping. If you leave Yahweh out of anything in your life, it's a sin. He needs to be the central focal point of everything that you do. Whether it's eating dinner, whether it's husband-to-wife relationship, parent-to-child relationship, brother-to-brother, Father to son, doesn't matter. 
Yahweh's at the focal point of everything we do. Whether it be the music that we play with the band, whether it be pumping out a septic tank, hanging a piece of siding, Yahweh's at the focal point of everything. We are not to leave him out of anything. He gets left out, we're in transgression of his law. Brother Dan read Psalm 119. We've been reading it for a few Sabbaths now because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Brother Dan read a passage at Sabbath, and it was Psalm 119, verse 96, and it stuck with me, and I'm going to memorize it. I haven't yet. It's a good one to memorize because it says, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your command is without limit. What I think that it means grammatically and historically and also what it means to me, and we need to get out of the habit of thinking, let's read a scripture and ask this brother, well, what does that scripture mean to you? No, that's really not how we should think. We should think, what did it originally mean? It doesn't matter what you want to twist it and turn it in for your life. What matters is what, does it, what did it originally mean? And when I look at that text, what I believe that it's saying is this, is that human perfection, I've seen a limit when it comes to human perfection. It only goes up to a certain point. But with Yahweh's commandments, it's limitless. The perfection is complete. It's always there. And we've got to remember that. So we come to Isaiah 5. And Isaiah 5, verse 20, let's read verse 20. It says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Without the perfect standard, we confuse good and evil. There's so many examples that I could give here in this. People that call evil good or good evil. Here's one that's fresh on my mind. We just had a pagan celebration day pass us called Easter. And I follow a lot of people on Twitter. And there were some things that were said on Easter Sunday that were very, very unsettling to me on Twitter. One fellow who's a pastor, Presbyterian pastor, said that when he got home from church, he tweeted that he was enjoying his Easter Sunday ham like the good, risen Lord and Savior would want him to do. Another guy that pastors thousands of people and is very well known said that his brunch was porkalicious. So thankful for the new covenant. It took every bone in my body not to respond to those tweets and get an argument started. The Spirit of Yahweh calmed me down, and I realized, you know, you just have to realize sometimes that you have to pick your battles. That does mean that eventually you will pick one. People say you have to pick your battles, and they never pick a battle. It does mean you have to pick a battle, but sometimes it's just better off to leave things alone because you know that it's not going to do any good at the time. Brother Arnold showed me a passage that I knew of, and it just hit me real strong before the service today, where Yeshua says in Matthew 15, where the, some of the Pharisees had transgressed Yahweh's commandments to keep their tradition. And the disciples asked Yeshua, or told Yeshua, he said, look, these guys, these Pharisees, they got offended at what you said. And Yeshua said, leave them alone. They're blind leaders of the blind. Every plant that my Heavenly Father didn't plant, it'll be plucked up. He said, let them alone. You can read it. I think it's Matthew 15, verse 14, I think is where it was. Sometimes we just got to leave people alone, Right? Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Pick your battles. Be careful. Later on that day, I made an own personal tweet of my own 
on Twitter, and it said something to this effect, maybe not word for word, but I choose Passover lamb over Easter ham. Hashtag true new covenant. People always want to talk about the new covenant, but the biblical definition of the new covenant is Yahweh's law written upon physical Israel's hearts and minds. Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8. That's the biblical definition of the new covenant. People say, Brother Matthew, you are living under the old covenant. No, I'm living under the new covenant because Yahweh's law is not just merely on tablets of stone for my life. They're written internally on my heart and on my mind. And it's not different sets of laws. It's the same law that he gave to Israel in the old covenant that was written on tables of stone. That law is now written on my mind and on my heart. And I have a desire to want to keep it because it's there, not just merely on tablets of stone. So I choose Passover lamb over Easter ham. But guess what? People call killing a Passover lamb evil. And they call the Easter ham porkalicious. Good. Yeah, and it is humorous. It's definitely funny, but it's really blasphemous. It's very sad. It saddened my heart. I was very weighed down by that on, on that Easter Sunday. They call evil good and good evil. People call going by heavenly time astrology. You know, I had a woman one time, and I know it's just because she didn't understand. She told me that it sounded like I was mixed all up in astrology. And she didn't, you know, really know me or know my life or anything like that. And she went to church on Sunday. And she believed that going to church on Sunday was good. But knowing when you go to congregation by the heavenly calendar was evil. They call good evil and they call evil good. People today in the world think that you're a nut if you school your children at home. What was this on, I think I've seen Brother Tim share this on MSNBC, uh, this woman that talked about how children didn't belong to their parents, but they rather belonged to the society. Do you know why she believes that? She was raised by the government. Do you, you know, the, the, if you're a homeschooler, the very first question that you hear by everybody is this, and you know it, is what about socialization? Do you know why everybody says that same question? They've all been taught by the same people, the government. That's why. They call evil good and they call good evil. Homosexuality versus biblical marriage. It's becoming prevalent. We might as well stick our feet in the sand and get ready to fight it. Because it's becoming more and more prevalent. On television... Billboards, the Internet, people in the society teach children that it's an alternate lifestyle. It's okay, don't judge them after you, you know. I mean, the Bible says judge not, lest you be judged, you know. So let's just quote that one verse and let's not think about anything else that the Scripture has to say. And let's quote that verse out of context, too, as well. Biblical marriage is between a man and a woman. Two people that can procreate and produce offspring. That's impossible with a homosexual relationship. And it's not gay marriage. When you talk about gay marriage, don't ever use that word in a sentence without quotes around it because to say gay marriage is like talking about a married bachelor or a hot ice cube or a square circle. It doesn't make sense. It's oxymoronic. It's a self-contradiction. There's no such thing as homosexual marriage. It's a homosexual, maybe we could say, a relationship 
or whatever, but it's not a marriage. It's not a marriage. If everybody decided to go the route of homosexuality, you know what? We would kill off in just a matter of maybe 100, 200 years tops because we wouldn't be able to procreate anymore. It's foolish. It's an abomination. You say, you really think you have to teach your children that? I believe that you do. I do because of the society that we live in today. Pagan days versus holy days. This is a big one. You keep the holy days, you're going back under the law, you're denying the Messiah, but bless God, we're going to keep all of these quote-unquote holidays that are not mentioned in the Bible and we know come from paganism, but I've had people tell me it doesn't matter to them if it come from paganism or not. They're still going to continue to do them. They don't care. Or that's not what it means to me. Or I'm not doing it for that reason. You know, they just throw Yahweh out of the picture. Um, the Israelites of old did it sometimes. They tried to mix Yahweh's feasts with pagan aspects. Remember there in Exodus 32 where Aaron proclaims the feast to Yahweh. But then he tries to mix in the golden calf and say, this is the Elohim that brought you forth out of Egypt. You don't mix light with darkness. You don't do that. But people think that it's wrong to celebrate Yahweh's holy days, and they think that it's okay to celebrate days that stem from paganism and have been mixed into the Bible without warrant. Uh, shaving versus being bearded. This is another one. Uh, a lot of churches think that it's wrong for a man to, to have a beard. Um, not long ago when my dad was my age, people would just sit down in the pew at some churches and not even clap their hands when dad would lead praise and worship because he had a beard. But as soon as he shaved his beard off, oh, bless God, Brother Eric, <laughs> you know, you got the Holy Ghost or whatever because you shaved off your beard, you know. Our Savior had a beard. The Lord and Savior. They call evil good and good evil. What about clothes off versus clothes on? There again, people think you're a nutcase if you dress modestly nowadays. But it's okay for them to reveal all of their body parts to the world. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyhow. I'm 32 years old, and I've seen more cleavage than I need to see in a lifetime from women that are not my wife. And it's not on purpose, Brother Jerry. I could be walking down the aisle in Publix shopping for some organic groceries, Brother Tim, and out pops something that I don't need to look at. I don't need to look at. My body is for my wife. And she is for me. She is. Had a brother. We talked to a brother the other day. A fellow that helped us out in the recording. And he was just, he was just really uh, very intrigued by the tunic that I was wearing. And man, we talked about it one day over lunch. And he just kept bringing up question after question after question. And he's a real little short fellow. He said, man, he said, if I was to wear a tunic like that, he said, it looked like I was you know, going to sleep for something or wearing a nightgown or something like that. Real nice guy. And he said, what about, you know, when you go, go swimming or stuff? I said, you know, Yahweh doesn't say you can 
be modest most of the time, and then when you go swimming, you can take everything off and show it to everybody. We don't do that. Yahweh's standard doesn't change if we go swimming or to the beach or, or to something like that. We keep our clothes on. We swim with them on. Say it gets a little heavy, yeah, but we love Yahweh more than what we want. They call evil good and good evil. They do. The world does. Yahweh's lost sheep do. The people of Israel. They're lost sheep. They don't know they're Israelites. And they call evil good and good evil in this world today. Isaiah 5 verse 21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own opinion and clever in their own sight. Our own opinion and our own sight is always not the standard. I can't tell you, I lost track of the times that I have simply been in a discussion with somebody and I'll quote a Bible verse and won't even give an explanation. I'll just quote the verse and immediately they'll say, no, that's just your interpretation though. I haven't even given an interpretation yet. Just quoted the verse. Uh, we talked about the modesty thing a second ago. First Timothy 2 verse 9 says, Paul writes to Timothy as a young leader in the congregation. He says, look, make sure that you tell the women that they're to dress in modest clothing with decency and good sense. And you quote that verse to a lot of women today and they think, that's just your interpretation. You don't even have to give an interpretation. You just have to quote the verse. Of their flesh shall ye not eat. When Yahweh returns, he will destroy those that eat pork, the mouse, and all these abominations. That's just your interpretation. I didn't interpret it. I just quoted the verse. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you are to work, but the Sabbath is the Sabbath. You rest. You do not work. All you do is quote it. You don't have to give an interpretation. You just quote the verse. People say, well, that doesn't make sense, or, well, that's not what I was taught, or I'm staying with what I know and all that might be fine and well in your own world, but it's not fine and well in Yahweh's created earth. We go by His standard and not what we want or what we think. Isaiah 5, 22 through 23, Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine, who are fearless at mixing beer, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. What I think is happening here is Yahweh is making a comparison these people in verses 20 and 21 that are calling evil good and good evil, bittersweet and sweet bitter, they're likened or they're comparable to these other guys that are heroes at drinking wine and are fearless at mixing beer. What he's talking about there is getting drunk. That's what he's referring to. You're no different than a guy that I grew up knowing, Buddy Kitchens, who would come down the street hollering before he got to my granddad's house because he was drunk as a skunk, as they say. You're no different than him when you call evil good and good evil, bittersweet and sweet bitter. And what do the people do when they're heroes at drinking wine and fearless at mixing beer? They can't think properly. Even the priests, brothers and sisters, even the priests, the sons of Aaron, when they would go into minister, Yahweh made a strict order. They were not to drink any alcohol whatsoever. When they would go minister in the tabernacle, why? He wanted them to be of a pure mind and a clear thought pattern. What do they do when this happens? Verse 23, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of justice. You let the guilty go free because he paid you off. You could care less about justice. You let the innocent get punished, but they're innocent. They're not guilty. Verse 24, 
Therefore, as a tongue of fire consumes straw, and as dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will become like something rotten, and their blossoms will blow away like dust. Why? For they have rejected the instruction of Yahweh of hosts, and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Notice, tongue of fire consumes straw. These are word pictures. Dry grass shrivels in the flame. Their roots, that which makes you grow, the roots, will become like something that is rotten. Your blossoms, the blossoms like of a flower, they'll blow away as though they were dust. These are all word pictures of the people that have just been described in verses 20 through 23. And the reason that this will happen to them is this. They have rejected the word of Yahweh. You know Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. Everybody can quote the first part of Hosea 4 6. For my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Everybody knows that first part of the verse. Very few people can quote the remainder of the verse. It goes on to say, because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, that you will be no more a priest to me. Seeing you have forgotten the law of your Elohim, I will also forget your children. A surefire way for you to guarantee that your children will not be protected is to reject the law of Yahweh. That's a surefire way. You'll be like the straw that the tongue of fire consumes. What you need to do is stick with the Scripture. Stick with Yahweh's standard of living. Let Him be true and every man a liar. Read your Bible and pray every single day of your life. You'll grow. You'll feel spiritual. Brother Jerry has commented a few times in the past several years that when we do spiritual things, we feel more spiritual. And you know why? It's because we are. If you wake up every day and you spend time studying your Bible, reading your Bible, a good hour, that's not too much to ask. Spend time praying. Prayer is a harder one for me. Prayer is a harder one for me because I, my mind wanders. It's easier for me to study and read than it is to pray, but we still we pray every day. And then we fast often too. And if we constantly are in this mode of thinking every single day, we'll grow as a spiritual person. We will. We'll grow. It's, it's certain things that every believer needs to grow in their faith. You know, you say, well, now I'm born from above. I attend the congregation. What do I need to do? Here's some things. Read your Bible. Pray every day. You'll be more spiritual. You'll grow in grace and in knowledge. Don't reject Yahweh's law. Study it and believe it even when it rubs you the wrong way. Believe it. Say, Father, I submit to your word. I don't understand this. You're going to have to help me. And you know what? I believe that you'll learn to love his law. I wrote a book not long ago called Learning to Love His Law. Why did I title it like that? It's because that's what we need to do is learn to love his law. Brother Frankie said it doesn't come overnight, and it doesn't. But over time, we'll fall in love with his teachings and his instructions. They have rejected the instruction of Yahweh of hosts. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Despised. That's a strong word. Despise the word of Yahweh. The word there is equivalent to the instruction right above it. Don't despise the word of Yahweh. Isaiah 5.25 Therefore Yahweh's anger burns against His people. 
He raised his hand against them and struck them. The mountains quaked and their corpses were like garbage in the streets. In all this, his anger is not removed and his hand is still raised to strike. His anger burned against who? Against his own people. Against his own people. Being an Israelite is accompanied with great responsibility. I talked to a man one time who was one of the biggest proponents that I know, or proponents, I should say, that I know of the Israel identity message. And he told me, he said, that when he found out that he was not just a spiritual Israelite, but that he was a physical Israelite whose heart had been circumcised, he said it made him weep and made him sad because he knew how often Israel despised and rejected and turned their back on Yahweh. And it made him embarrassed to be an Israelite. This is a man that teaches that the physical people of Israel are not those that say they are Jews and are not, but lie. But they consist of people uh, of the Caucasian race, uh, Scandinavian, Germanic, Celtic, kindred peoples of the earth like this. This is a man that believes that and said that it was embarrassing for him to find out that that's who he was because of his ancestry. Something to think about. To be an Israelite, is accompanied with great responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. Yahweh didn't give his law to everybody on the earth. And the people that he gave it to have a greater responsibility than those that he didn't. They're called to be a light to the rest of the nations. Deuteronomy 4, I think right around verses 5 through 7, the other nations are supposed to look at the Israelites that keep the law and say, what great laws you have. We want to serve your mighty one. So if the Israelites don't do what they're called to do, the nations can't see the light of the law of Yahweh. And we should look at it the same way in our little Israel congregation here at this local fellowship. If we don't shine the light of the law of Yahweh to the lost and dying world, they may not get to see it. They may not get to see it. He strikes his people. It says their corpses will be like garbage. That's not good. His anger is not removed. He desires that we believe His Word and not our own. He desires that we quit trying to make new standards or do things our own way. Recently, I was told of a gentleman who said when he was asked about keeping the feast, well now, I just serve Yahweh the way that I serve Yahweh. This is the newsflash for that gentleman and anybody else, including myself, that feels that way. If that's your attitude, you don't serve Yahweh at all. Because you don't decide to serve Him your way. You only serve Him His way. He makes the the rules. He calls the shots. He decides what sin is. It's not our job. That goes just as much for me as everybody else. If you're not interested in submitting to Yahweh's law today, if that's not where your greatest desire is, is to be obedient, then in all likelihood, and this is strong, but in all likelihood, Yahweh's not interested in you. Because if He was, you would be interested in Him. You would. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light, light for darkness, sweet for bitter, bitter for sweet. 
Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and smart in their own opinion. Father Yahweh, help us. Help us to read more in Your Word and be more obedient. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love You and I thank You so much. Father Yahweh, I just pray right now, Father, that You'd open the hearts and the minds of all the children and the women and the men here today. Because, Father Yahweh, without You doing that, I'm just up here speaking. You did say it's through the preaching of Your Word that You caused men to believe. But, Father Yahweh, I know that the preaching must be accompanied with Holy Spirit inspiration. And so I pray right now, Father, that the words that I speak would not fall on deaf ears and blinded eyes, but that you would give regenerating power to your elect, including myself, my wife, and my children. And let us believe the words that we've read out of Scripture today. I pray that the people here would know that Father Yahweh, we are totally capable of making so many mistakes when we try to figure things out on our own. But if we just trust in your word and not lean to our own understanding, you promise to direct our path. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to live perfectly and to die for us on our behalf as an atonement. Thank you for raising him from the dead on the third day. Thank you for that good news to those, Father, who, who come to the foot of, of Calvary and feel hopeless. Father Yahweh, let everybody here know today, Father, in their spirit, that it doesn't matter what they've done. And if they repent and believe with all their heart, they will be saved from their sins because of the gift of your Son. Let us always remember that. I love you, Yahweh. And I thank you. Through your son, I pray.